0: Tyson, the director of the Center for Real Estate Education, and we have our power panel here. First up, we have Nima Mary. I like to call him a rock star deal maker. He's also the managing partner at a, at a Mary Law Firm. We have Eric Anderson, who is the CEO of Alexander Anderson Real Estate Group. And we have my favorite, Omar Sharif who is the VP of the Alexander Anderson Capital Group. And today we're gonna be talking about winning at the buying process. So today's market is crazy. You have low inventory, you have people making, like coming from overseas and making all cash offers. And it's just a crazy industry out there. How are you going to be the winner? And our power panel is going to give you everything you know. So I'm going to open it up to you guys. I'm ready. You're
1: ready? Go for it. So you know that saying you can only make one first impression. So the first impression is super important in the buying process. Whether you are the client who's buying a house, whether you're the broker who's trying to to mix the deal going forward, um, whether you're that neighbor who's trying to get your friend into that house. You only have one chance to make that first impression and you really need to think through what that impression is going to be. Um, if you're trying to buy something at a lower discounted rate, then obviously you don't want to pull up in your brand new Mercedes 2000, 2000 or S550 or whatever it is. Um, you want to pull up in, you know, maybe a rental car and then say that you don't own a car or something like that. You got to really think through what
2: you need to do, set the stage to make your, your impression for that buyer. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, I think in today's market, the conventional wisdom of of making a uh, well-thought-out offer goes out the window. Um, just because there's so much competition, there's no inventory. So if you have a buyer, I think it's very important, or if you are a buyer, set your expectations right from the beginning. Um, when you have competition, there's multiple offers, you won't get a chance to negotiate repairs, reduce the price, nitpick over small details that you may not like. So you have to go and ready to place an offer, have a good down payment, have all your paperwork together, and um, make the seller feel like you're the person that's going to close at the price that they want good point about down payments. Tell us about what's important in a down payment. What is important in a down payment? So guys,
0: just so you know, I'm thinking about buying a house. So this is like all
2: so exciting to me.
0: Let me know.
2: Sure. So from the seller's point of view, they want someone who's able to close, has good money, savings, income, and you can demonstrate that by putting down a sizable down payment. But what if you don't have all that? Um, You can still put down a strong offer, the down, a, a strong down payment is twenty percent of the purchase price. If you have that, you're in a good position. Someone may beat you, coming with a higher down payment, but it's better than putting down five percent, for example, because it just shows that you have more liquidity. You you have a stronger offer. You're in a better financial position. So if you can do twenty percent, definitely do it.
0: But what if you have? What if you're doing a, a VA loan and you have you know zero, right? VA loans you could do yeah. zero down. Right. But, you know, you no
2: can well,
0: do what's it. What's a VA loan? What's a VA loan? <laughs> Go ahead. Good
2: question. What's a VA loan? Um, it's a loan that's special, specially made or given to veterans. Veterans Affair Loan, I think yeah, it is, 100%. right? Yeah. So um, a VA loan does, does allow a 0% down payment, but it's a strong offer. You can It's a strong loan, and if the person's qualified, the likelihood of it closing are high. So that's what you have to present to the seller.
1: So if you're, if you're in a market, which we have today, where everything is flying off the shelves. So and Nima, if you're the lawyer for that, that seller, right. And a buyer is coming to you and presents a VA loan when, when it's such a hot market and your seller says, attorney Nima, what do I do? What do
3: you say? So it's funny. I think this whole topic should, is not really legal related. Let me tell you why. I don't think it's any of a lawyer's business, okay. right? Um, look, a lawyer's job is to help a client, their client, uh, on a legal basis, on a contractual basis, and apply the law to protect them. You do see recently a lot of lawyers interject their business opinion, because now all of a sudden every realtor, every real estate lawyer, not every, I'm being sarcastic, but thinks that they're business advisors as well, and they start advising their clients. Really, it's none of your business as the lawyer. It's between the agent and the seller at that point. Um, and a lot of times I know this just through hearing about it, you guys could talk more agents like will sit down and with their, with their seller and say, Hey, here are 10 offers and they'll go through each one and they'll talk about the people what's behind the offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing is that we haven't touched on though is, um, who it depends on who your seller is, uh-huh. right? Uh, if you have an institutional seller like a, an LLC or a flip, right? There's certain things that they're going to look for. If you have a regular person, there's certain things that they're going to look for. They won't care as much about. So I think it's more important about who's the seller. It's a business or so, so know your seller. Yeah. Good the, point. One of the first things, know your seller. You know, if it's if it's an older couple, well, they may like a sob story, right? They may want to hear that you're going to raise your family there, and that may be important to them. Um, I, I think that the deposit and what you guys are talking about is a lot less relevant today than it was 10 years ago. is that? I, so as, as a seller myself, mm-hmm. right, um, I have that old school mentality of how much you're putting down, does that make you qualified for a mortgage? Mm. Um, I look to see is it 20%, but in today's market, I'm not really seeing a lot of that. And The reason I think why is, because most people are thinking money's so cheap, why would I put down a larger deposit? I don't wanna leverage my money. So a lot of people are like I can get a ten a, a mortgage with ten percent down, five percent down. That's exactly what I'm going to do, and I'm going to take the rest of my money and buy AMD stock, right? Um, Bitcoin. So I stop seeing very large deposits unless like the buyer's super aggressive and they want it. But at the end of the day, too, from a seller's perspective, I'm like, what's the difference? If they don't get the mortgage, they can kill the deal anyway.
0: Right. Where's so the- I've always that's been my question. Mm-hmm. What. Why do you have to put down such a large deposit? What does that mean for the market? Like why?
3: To me, well, look, if you have a larger deposit, your loan-to-value ratio, LTV, is different. So it's easier to get approved for, obviously, a smaller mortgage amount. But nowadays, I remember 10, 15 years ago, you didn't have to have proof of funds with every offer submission. You just submit your offer, and then you deal with it. Now everyone needs a proof of funds. So you need to have a letter from a mortgage broker saying you're pre-qualified. So right. you're already in those stages anyway. You, you passed the, the first hurdle and it, nothing's perfect, but for the most part, you're, you're, you know, you're in the right steps. I think the strongest offer today, in my opinion, you guys are actually in the business. I'm talking about not from a lawyer's <coughs> perspective. As a seller, I think the strongest offer for me today is highest purchase price least contingencies. Right? Okay. Um, but a contingency is a
1: mortgage. That's in every deal. Right, right. right. depending on the type of mortgage you have, depends on how contingent it is. So a VA loan, an FHA a loan, loan a 10% down loan. Can you talk download. about some contingencies? What are the
0: contingencies? What are we talking sure.
2: about? So, so just to uh, add to that, the, the thing with having the highest offer and low contingencies is if you go above asking, that's where the down payment comes into play. Because what if the house doesn't appraise for your purchase price? The seller- In the rider, we have provisions that if you're a seller, you wanna say that, especially
3: in today's market, that appraised value um, is not a reason for termination. And that would ultimately mean that if you're buying a house for 300 and it appraises at 280, you gotta come up with that 20,000 spread or you lose your deposit. And if your deposit is 5% or 10%, that's down. Okay, fine, I'm willing to say, that okay you have a less of a deposit but i get to keep that anyway if you can't come up with the difference that's your problem i'll just take your deposit and go to the next offer so <laughs> what what is there to lose on my end right and most people honestly time, time yeah sure yeah. but time, time is money and you're getting money right so in that perspective you know if you turn around, and most people, when they're in that game and they've got some skin in the game, they're not ready to lose all that anyway. They'll go and they'll get more money. And and if your, excuse me, <coughs> if your property doesn't appraise out anyway, you're going to have that problem with any buyer, right? right? Because any bank right. will have that same issue. So really, a lot of the problems you're having are redundant. I'd rather just, and maybe I'm a higher risk person, I'd rather just go for the highest offer most of the times, saying that, look, these people have factored that in. And let's see. And if they need to borrow money from so family, what
0: about they do it. the love letter? Can I, can, I, can I write a love letter?
3: Yeah, it, it works. Look, it worked on me. Well, that letter
0: yes, to Nima. Me.
3: <laughs> that, lo- that, that, lo- that, that love letter cost me at least $9,000, but yeah. it, it, it worked on me, right? It's so, right. So, that's
0: so, from the love letter from your, from your deal. That's, that's right. That's a
3: one-off. Honestly, I was bored. I wasn't even going to read it. So like, I was like, <laughs> saw the email and I was like, oh, ambulance. And I was just going to blow past it. I'm like, yeah, you know, let me read it. Most people do read it.
0: Yeah. Do you read the love letters you get? I don't get any love
3: letters. Eric's <laughs> commercial. What are they gonna be like? I want to bring my, <laughs> I want my kids to grow up in the
2: basement of this commercial building. <laughs> no, well, I get, I get stories, and yeah, I listen to them.
0: You do listen to them. Do no,
2: you? You know, so I've been in situations where I never put much weight on the letters to sellers, but I've seen it work, and they do work. They do. Yeah. It
3: definitely works if like your, I, I think if your seller is like an old couple who wants to see that their house. Yeah, oh i I had to I had to do a letter on a deal one time right um, and it was nonsense I didn't mean a word of it but there was like a log cabin and they wanted it to stay as a log cabin or something stupid like that because you know, their grandfather filmed it. Did you say filled that in.
0: your great great grandfather lived in a log no, cabin? No, I, I said I, how
3: much I love the cabin concept, and you know, while I do have to make necessary upgrades, I'll wholeheartedly make all my best efforts to maintain the integrity of their family's construction on the property, but then not the whole Which thing. Means down. <laughs> nothing. the no.
0: Next day, a bulldozer rose. Yeah, okay. you know,
3: they accepted my offer over others. I didn't end up closing on the deal because lumber prices went up quadruple, and you know, it was just didn't make sense. Okay. But. Um, yeah, Yeah. I, I I pitched this entire sob story. There's nothing wrong with it. Who cares? Yeah. I have a question
0: from Sarah. Sarah says, what would be the lowest down payment you can make as a first time home buyer?
1: Uh, You should ask some mortgage broker that but I can answer that question. Yeah. Okay. Zero. All you gotta Mm -hmm. do is get someone to give you seller financing who is willing to take no down payment. But that is very unlikely. Or yeah. the The question was whether or not yeah. it's it what is the lowest down payment.
0: So let's say you're putting a down payment. You're not doing zero. What would be the next sort of step up?
3: Three and a half percent. Three
0: and a half.
3: FHA.
1: Yeah. 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 But
0: I,
3: I think customarily, if you're not FHA, it's it's ten yeah. percent. And FHA
0: is
2: Federal Housing Administration.
0: Oh, you're getting all
2: of the acronyms. <laughs> got, got A on my test now. <laughs> Um, What's well, that school you went to? <laughs> <laughs> a school in Hackensack. Right? <laughs> um, but 3.5% no, FHA, FHA will allow you to do that. You'll have a PMI, private mortgage insurance payment, on top of that when the down payment's so low. Uh, but if you're concerned about uh, having a, a strong, sizable down payment, FHA offers do work. They just don't work when you have competing offers against you. And it also
1: depends on who represents that seller. If the seller has no representation, then there's a really good chance you'll be able to build a rapport, they're gonna like you, you're gonna create whatever deal you want. If the seller is represented by a real estate broker that knows everything about all the different mortgages out there, that broker may guide them. And then if that seller has an attorney, that attorney may put in a couple cents also. So really, it's all about that first impression again, like getting a hold of that seller, making them love you and want to work
2: with you and it does work and i had a recent case where i was representing a seller i was a listing agent and we had multiple offers on his property and this fha buyer came in and offered forty thousand above the list price which was the highest offer it made no sense and not only that but they came to his house after the showing without the agents knowing and they made the top story they made a case to the seller that how they really need the house it's their first time buying a house and so forth Based on their financials, I told the seller not to accept it because I didn't think they would qualify, I didn't think the house would appraise, but the love letter worked. They took the offer. Two months into it, the deal got canceled. Why? (laughs) Because the house didn't, the house appraised for 60,000 less than what their offer was.
0: And they couldn't make up the gap.
2: They couldn't even come close to it. No money, no honey. No
0: money, (laughs) no honey. I'm
2: gonna start saying that. And not only that, but... No
0: money, no honey.
2: (laughs) And something to keep in mind, with FHA, they're very, they're a lot more conservative with the appraisal. So you can come in higher, but your own appraisal mm. will work against you. Also, I think a lot of sellers dislike FHA, um, you know,
3: hypothetically, obviously they wouldn't turn an FHA loan down because that would, you know, could possibly be discrimination, mm. but um, they don't, they look at it and FHA has inspection standards that are a little bit yes. high and okay. the property has to, you know, have certain mm-hmm. things and in today's market, when people are getting away with as-is deals, you know, you can't do an as-is deal on an FHA because the FHA loan requires certain repairs to be made. Right. So that's kind of a turnoff for some sellers. Um, and, you know, I would talk with your mortgage broker about it, because with rates so low, you could get good mortgages with low deposits, um, competitive to FHA rates without the PMI, and, you know, it's more attractive to sellers. However, back to presentation, FHA,
1: I have a story, I know someone who did an FHA loan. The inspector came, they needed, you know, everybody knows what the the foundation is between like the grass and let's say where the gutters are. And not the gutters, where your siding would start. And it was all chipping while the paint was falling off and everything. And um, they made a deal with the seller that they were gonna show up there and actually paint it. So they went, they painted the whole front of the house and solved the inspection issues um, before they even bought it. So it's, again, there's ways, you know, it's about, Manipulation. Manipulation. Um, Manipulation. No, Positive. we would never use that word. <laughs> it's about, about optics. Manipulating optics. Optics. Making a deal work. Um, convincing people to give you an opportunity. Stuff well, like well, that. What my friend meant to say here was, it's about creativity. 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 There you I, go.
0: Go. I like that. Creativity. Yeah. yeah. Can we go back? I'll here, can you one tell one us there. what some of the <laughs> contingencies <laughs> people would one want one. to look for? <laughs> like, what are some sure. of the contingencies that you could trade off on that you could make it easier for you?
2: So, so in, in this market. The main contingencies are your financing, your mortgage, your inspection, um, environmental, oil tank, home inspection, or did I say that right? Inspection, right? inspection. got it. So um, in today's market, if I'm representing a seller and we have five offers on the table, I'm pretty sure one of those offers is going to waive inspection or at least limit inspection to structural and environmental only. And that's a big plus because now I know I won't get a long repair list of items that they're going to try to negotiate the price down with. So inspection is a huge contingency. If you So could, you
0: basically would take the offer that the people were like, we don't care about ins- inspection, we'll just fix anything that's wrong.
2: That increases the chance of that offer being accepted. Uh, and then the next question is, how's their financing? So you, yeah. you guys got to remember, seller's goal is the fastest pathway to sale.
3: Yeah. So if they have the least amount of obstacles and it's easier, they're going to want the easier route. And you know, I said highest number cause that's me, but a lot of times a seller may go for a smaller number knowing that there's a higher probability of successful yeah. closing and it's faster. Um, you know, at those numbers, nine, ten thousand $10,000 may not make a difference when they know that one buyer will be almost a definitive close compared uh-huh. to another. Um, so, you know, you gotta just think about what, who, know your seller, like Eric said, and to Omar's point, um, as well, you have to just figure out what does that seller want? What are they looking for? Like when I put in offers, I always do as is no contingencies. Um, that's every offer cash deal only. Well, I still try to go for financing. Oh, yeah. Just cause your cash deal doesn't mean you can't get financing. Okay. Explain that. All right. So a cash deal doesn't mean you have to buy in cash. It just means that you don't have a contingency for a mortgage. So if you can't get a mortgage, you have to pay all cash or you lose your deposit. Correct. So uh-huh. I'm always, uh, I put all my offers in cash deal, right? People love that. Oh, 100% cash, no finance contingency, easy peasy. Of course I still go and try to obtain financing where appropriate, but if it doesn't close, I have to be ready to strike a it, strike it check for the full amount of
0: close. So you have to put your money where your mouth is. Cause if, it, yeah. if you don't get the financing, You're out your deposit. you still have to come up with the dough. Yeah. Or
1: you have an inspection or due diligence period that gives you a window to get out for any reason. And then once you realize you can't get the financing, or if you yeah. change your mind, you still have that offer, and then you can, yeah. you can exit the contract. Now is
0: that creative?
1: It is creative. Okay. What what most, <laughs> most people, going to be to
3: I think most of my clients think, when they come to me, they believe a all ca- cash offer means they have to close cash. That's not true. Right. Not That's true. what I always thought. Just because it's an all cash offer, you can come at any means, no seller can say you're not allowed to get a mortgage as long as they get, 100- <coughs> I got tested yesterday, no COVID everybody. As long as, as long as they get 100% of their money at closing, it's none of their business how you obtain your financing or funding or money. Um, so don't think if you say all well, cash, just be prepared to lose your deposit if you can't get that mortgage.
1: Um, and, and be prepared that they don't have to give you any, any extension to get that mortgage. So no. if, if you've agreed to pay all cash, and then your mortgage company is like, I need five more days because I have to dot my I's across my T's, that seller could say no. Mm-hmm. And Correct. then you could risk losing, right?
0: Nima, just so you know, Lindsay wants to know your name. Oh, Nima Amari. rock star deal maker.
3: <laughs> yeah, N-I-M-A, last name's Mary A-M-E-R-I. A-M-E-R-I. <laughs> Why don't you give out your website and your email address? R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R. <laughs> R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R- <laughs> No, no. I mean, it's the fun is in the search. Uh, Just like if you're searching for a property to buy. Yeah. 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 Just Google Nima Mary attorney or Mary law firm.
0: Can we have some fun, right? Let's mix it up here. I want to know the craziest thing you've done to help a buyer get what they want. Commercial, uh, residential, what is something that you have done that has gone way above and beyond and maybe even a little creative?
1: What about if, it, if it's buying? What if you're the buyer?
0: That's fine too. I wanna to know, I, it's all about all right. the buying so I'll go
1: first uh, because I have the story on the tip of my tongue. So I, I like to, I usually obsess over things that I wanna buy. So there was this building I wanted to buy and um, I tried so many different ways to get in touch with the person who owned it And I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't get through any calls. I couldn't get through any door knocks or whatever. So I just said, screw this one day. And I said, okay, today I'm gonna sit in front of this building for however long it takes until I see somebody coming in and out. So I literally got there like nine o'clock in the morning, parked my car in front of the building. And I sat in my car for like four hours before this guy showed up. As fossil rental. I think I was in like, uh... no, I was in a real car. Was in so you're S S toss But this guy was the kind of guy that would have noticed, so looking back. But some guy who looked like he was homeless actually went up to the door, and putting the key in the thing, and I literally jump out of my car because, like, you know, after you're in the car for, like, four hours, you're almost asleep. I jump and I run up to him. He thought I was, like, stalking him. He had the door, like, halfway closed. I'm like, wait, wait, I want to talk to you. And I actually got in and used my... Um, T- charms to talk to him <laughs> and, and make him know that I wasn't a mass murderer. Um, and I actually got through and built releases with him and got him to sell me the, the property. So that was probably the craziest thing.
0: I like that. And we're going to go to, how can we find the properties? Like what you need to do? What's your, what's the craziest well, I'll, thing?
3: I'll have to talk about things that I've done cause I couldn't tell you for clients. Right. Okay. Um,
0: Oh, a client, uh, lawyer, yeah. Job. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that. Go so
3: ahead. I think, um, I think the craziest thing I've done, first off, I am impulsive and impatient. And (laughs) if people don't accept my offer, uh, I won't wait in the car four hours. I get offended and then they piss me off and I don't want their property. And a lot of times I will put a time period on my offer. Um, I will say you have 24 hours to accept it. And if you don't, I'm out. And I do that a lot because if I come in and I come in strong and I think this is what it's worth, I do not want to be the person whose offer is then leveraged for them to get a better deal for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, I just personally, like, I won't let that happen. It doesn't affect me other than I may lose the deal, mm-hmm. but conceptually, it's just my nature. Like that's competitive, whatever it is. So 24 hours is typically how long my offers will last. And if they don't get back to me, I will email them and kill it. And I've had times where they've emailed me back being like, we'll take it. I'm like too late. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Even if it's like a couple hours after or a day after
3: it's the pride if, now, His you know, if it's, if it's like a one, like if it's not like, if it's like, okay, if not noon, like I put an offer on a Tuesday. If I don't hear by Wednesday night, right. if they hit me back on Thursday, no, I'm just, I usually am just over it too. Right. Or if, if they give some kind of feedback and like, we're considering it or we need a couple days that's you're going to go, you're going to go shop my offer. So bye. Now see what you can do with it. Right. Um, I, I'd say the craziest thing I did was I wanted a property and the seller just was on like cloud nine in terms of what he thought it was worth. And, um, I called a bunch of my friends and over the course of a month, I just had them lowball put in lowball offers on every single one. And I would give them proof of funds. Hold on. That sounds like manipulation. No, no, no.
0: So, no. wait, you had someone Great else tentative. calling them and driving the house price down by putting in really low offers. And didn't drive the
3: house price down. It, <coughs> in, <coughs> my, it, in my opinion, it, um, it the, the seller's not thinking, well, if this is the base and these are my offers, then maybe this is what it's worth because that's what it's worth. Psychological warfare. Yeah. So, if they needed the money, I would take move the money around so they would all have their proof of funds available to them and all the offers went in. And oh then my God, you
0: are the Sanzu. And then I would come
3: in with my offer, and look, it doesn't always work. But at that time, maybe they've now recognized that they're they're not sitting on a diamond. they're sitting oh. on a piece of coal, and I need to make it a diamond because I'm the ability to turn coal into diamonds, right? Um, and then even on some occasions, it's happened in the past, and then they'll accept my offer, but they'll have already pissed me off because of the way they didn't accept my offer in the first place, and I still won't take it. And I've done all of that out of spite. But, um, so your crazy thing was setting up a bunch of fake buyers. They were real buyers. They're right. not fake because so if you accepted any it, of yeah, them, they would have bought it. And I would have bought they it
0: with Oh, and then you would have bought it with my money. sure. And then I would
3: have come in and just, I would have assigned the contract to myself. So they weren't fake offers. Every offer was real. Was real so offer. they can't tell me that this was a fake offer. But you, were prote- you were protecting yourself as the buyer.
1: Cause you didn't want to tarnish you by putting in such an insulting low offer.
3: No, no, I think my original offer was probably to them insulting low anyway. But But these people were lower than your original offer. Yeah, but if I kept coming back with lower, lower offers, the guy would be like, what's wrong with you, dude? So, but then that also (laughs)
0: means if he, for some reason, accepted the other offers, you would have gotten in for lower. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, That is a win-win. That's actually a really amazing strategy. Um, If you're a buyer and you're representing yourself, you can obviously do a lot of different things that you couldn't do if you were um, a real estate agent. But um, I think that's a great strategy. Um, yep. As far as the 24 hour part, when anyone comes to me and pulls that thing with the 24 hour window, it's just like you are like, 24 hours away, out, I don't even look at the offer, I'm just like, screw you, I don't I do not do that. I, I don't recommend, yeah, you yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. I don't recommend any of our clients that I work with put in any windows on stuff. Um, Cause you wanna shop a better deal for your client. Right. So yes and no. So just if someone hires me, I'm always shopping for them because that's my job is to get them a better scenario. But I just feel like in today's world, it's a little bit of, um, overreaching or insulting to do that. And it it just automatically puts up like an attitude with the, like if I'm the seller and I'm getting this thing, like I have 24 hours, it's Sunday night, you know, I have to go to this or I have to do that or whatever. I I need more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So I get if it's like a Sunday night, but, um, But people do do that. There are big time investors that say you have until, you know, they'll give you five days. You have until Friday at five o'clock to accept this offer. I don't run into it that often. Um, I totally understand the reasoning for doing it. And I agree, you don't want your offer shopped. And there are a lot of people out there that do shop offers.
3: So I think it's just, you have to, again, know who you're dealing with. Yeah, and guys, so you guys also need to remember as the audience, I'm very rarely ever in any of these positions because I don't buy properties that are on the market. Um, This may sound stupid and it's not a universal rule, but for the most part, if a property hits the market, um, in my mind, and I, I could be wrong, it's it already lacks value because it goes into the natural cycle of bidding. And there's more stupid people out there than there are smart. So you'll have a bunch of dumb people bidding up the value that doesn't exist. And I'm not going to chase a deal that doesn't make sense because a lot of other people are impulse offering. So most of my deals are off market. They're negotiated behind closed doors. I'm not worrying about this. They come up with a number. If that number makes sense to me, you know, we just, we, we lock it up. It's done. Um, so it's not like this happens often for me. And I think most seasoned investors, you're going to get to a point where you do things like what Eric did and you are creative and you create your own deals. Because guess what, what's the population in New Jersey? How many million? Too many. So, right? You have all those other people, prospectively, um, chasing the same deal you are. Like, it's not 1998 or 2001 anymore, guys. The last two decades has been devoted to society selling the idea of flipping real estate, right? You have classes, seminars, books, you know. Which are all very important. Yeah um and it, 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 knowledge <laughs> knowledge is powered right. and now everyone has that knowledge you can access everyone if you knowledge. go to the right seminar right. you buy the right books you can obtain the knowledge that it took someone else a lifetime to build in a matter of hours it's not rocket science so you know the games changed a yeah. lot and when things hit the free market market rules apply and sometimes market rules aren't a good right best? so so what nima said
1: there's a lot of dumb people out there what he means is there are a
0: lot time. of dumb people out there. <laughs> level,
1: I don't mind offending. At his level, right, because he's an investor. And again, he may, when his wife says, honey, I want to buy that house for us to raise our children, and all of a sudden what he just told you you shouldn't do, he's going to be the first one bidding up and trying to get that house because he knows that if he wants to come home for dinner, he has to have that house. So, you know, of course. Am right, I right? Let's so, have dinner that yeah. night.
2: <laughs> but so, so there's,
1: there's, A different value to a property for each person, right? If you're the user, if you're the one living there, if you're the investor who needs to make a year's salary to pay your bills off flipping this house, there's a different value. So it's just what your need is, what your education level, and and um, you know when he's buying it as an investment, he's when that when you're building up that number, it only works for him at a certain point, and it's it's just like if you're at like a an auction, or if you go to if you see Storage Wars and the people are all dramatic and they're like trying to outbid each other and all of a sudden this stupid locker goes for $5,000 because somebody was in the mood to win that day, so. Yeah, so that's, that's today's
0: market. I want to know, what what's your crazy story?
2: Um, so in terms of crazy. Make
0: it really crazy. I
2: was like, I burn the house down. <laughs> and I got a third of the asking price. <laughs> <laughs> These crazy stories do happen. Um, but I think my craziest stories were related to foreclosures and short sales, which were a lot more active but about eight years ago. In today's market, the craziest I'll get is just removing as many contingencies as I can. And I tell the buyer you either get it or you don't. I don't really go further than that. That's not um, a crazy story. That's not. Well, that's it today's market. That's a crazy story. You have, I know you have crazy stories. I do, but in, so what I can think about you know, there's is there's nobody
3: to limitations what so <laughs> right now.
2: So I can't get into the full details, but um, I can tell you that the most I've, Done in order to make a deal work, especially with foreclosures and short sales, which many times the agent on the other side doesn't know what they're doing. I've just stepped in and done both sides of the, of the, of the work, and I've done a lot for the other agent to help my client get the house, um, and that's about all I'll say. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> but I want to add something to Nemo's point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look at everyone the that's conversation that's that's back that's that's to me. Uh, I think what many people don't realize is that uh, just about 15 years ago, we didn't have access to Zillow internet information. These days, you can go online and get all the information that you want. So your client is just as empowered as you are many times. Um, and there was a time where people didn't know what houses were for sale, except they saw it like in a print newspaper or a magazine. So this whole MLS internet, it's still relatively new. And because of that, the market has changed. So when Nima says on some offers, he says the good offers are off-market. Absolutely right. Mm-hmm.
0: But how do you get, and, and this is what Majtab wants to know, how do you get those off-market deals? Where do you look for them? If they're off-market, then they're not out there for you to see, right?
3: I believe they said it best in Borat. You can't get in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's Secret sauce. It's like asking, you know, can, can Coca Cola tell you how they
2: make their drinks? But so
0: that's like, what the remix is all about, so giving them the so, secret
2: sauce. So I'll, give, I'll give a secret sauce. And am a season finale. <laughs> <laughs> I actually go into depth about how to find these deals in, uh, in a class called Find Fun Flips. Really? Yeah. Do you teach that class? <laughs> so, so. <laughs> where is that class? Shameless plug. Shameless <laughs> plug. I teach a weekend class on how to flip houses. And one of the biggest things we go into is how to find deals because nobody knows how to do it. And people think it's something that you wake up and there's a systematic way to do it in comfort and quietness of your home. It's not like that. You have to go out and hunt for these deals. Um, you have to dig and you have to understand what you're looking for. And it's there's the retail market, then there's the distressed wholesale market, and it, they're night and day difference. So if you're focusing on investments, retail is not for you. I, I think that a fair answer to give
3: everybody would be, um, and we'll leave Eric to the last point, Oh, on I got a good one. he's got a good one. Um, I think the, is relationships, right? So most of the deals that I've acquired, um, 90, I'd say 95% of the time, I'm not even looking for a property. It's, I don't wake up say, I want to find a property. That's not at all what I do. Um, I just exist and I'm surrounded by people in the business and the game. And I'm constantly involved with different transactions. And if a good one comes across my desk, um, I've got the checkbook to, to buy it. And I think when you have that buying power, then you're ready to take the deal quickly as it comes up. Because they don't come up often. I've had a lot of friends be like, look, I want to invest with you. Next time you have a deal, let's do it together. Because they see the returns. They mm-hmm. see the turnaround. And, you know, especially very ones even wealthier than me. And they're like, I can devote X amount of dollars to this. We can just do as many. Can you scale this to 50? You know what I tell everyone? I was like, I got two, three good deals with me a year right now. I was like, and those are by chance. Maybe I have a couple more, maybe I have a couple less, but I can't I can't go out there hunting for deals because now you're chasing it and you chase bad deals. It just comes across your desk and or your table. If you're out there, you're going to conventions, you're meeting people, you're talking to your friends. They know you're looking for a property. Maybe someone's cousin is looking to sell their house, for it to the market, right? When it's ready, you need to be ready.
0: But what about for a person like little old me, right? So looking for a four-bedroom, two, three bath, you know, in certain areas. How am I gonna find those off, off bedroom deals? So if you have one, just let me know. I'll let you you're, know what areas. You're you're
3: you're unfortunately, and this sounds horrible, you're there's I'm a very no, no, you're there's oh, a very can we say that on the internet? <laughs> there's a very it? high there's a very high probability you won't. And let me yeah. tell you why. Yeah. You have, you're dealing with an agent, right? You are a institute, you're, 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 you're a, a personal buyer. You're mm-hmm. going to buy your house and you're going to call them in five to 10 years to possibly sell an upgrade. They need to make their commission off of you. They're going to find something on the market, right? When they have in, they have also your agent and most agents will look for people like that, have investors, who are they? A person who they know has a checkbook and is good for, good for whatever deal they bring quick cash closing, because they know they're going to make on the buy, they're going to make on the flip, or they're going to make on the rental. And I know rental is not beautiful, but dude, if you got a good client, a good investor who's bought 20 properties from you, that circulated rental revenue for you is just, it's like residual income at that point, right? It's good because every year, every two years, they switch tenants. You're making money. That's your deal. It's like, don't feed stray cats, because once you do, they're just going to keep coming back to you. So they're just going to keep bringing in deals because... We move it. So yeah. there's many agents we've deal, we have deal with and they'll call me before, honestly, they'll yeah. call you because they know you're going to have a mortgage. They yeah. know you're... Me, It's a... And usually the houses are run down. They're not good for somebody like uh, you because yeah. you don't want a beat up house. Yeah. They're going to be like, look, this house is beat up. It needs work. Someone doesn't have work. Somebody can, who doesn't have the experience in renovating. Yeah. yeah. Well, also most first-time home buyers don't want like yeah. a house
2: that's trashed.
1: Yeah.
3: Right? I love houses that are trashed.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that's the best if you have any... If you're good with your hands at all, or have the patience, that's your best deal. But, and um, cash, yeah. because those deals will go to the cash buyer. Yeah, but I just three things. Because he can't get mortgages. Yeah, he he made a comment about how he's got two or three good deals in him, because um, he has this checkbook that he's checkbook that he's sitting on. It's it's hard when you have money sometimes um, to not buy stuff because you do get approached with all these deals. So you know the fact mm-hmm. that he can actually hold himself back and really say. You know, this is a great deal, but is it really worth my two or three this year? And he has to—he's—and he passes up on it. That's a talent, and it's super hard to do. Um, one thing for you, Noelle, on how to get a house in that area. Yeah. Um, I know Noelle, and I know she is heavily involved in the school that her her son goes to. I am. By getting involved in like your mommy and me groups or your town groups, where people get to know you, and then you kind of pass the word, like people like you, right? In theory. And you pass the word, hey, I'm trying to get into this town. Does anybody know of a house for sale? And just talk about it. And then all of a sudden the word spreads and everybody's like, there's all these champions. Mm -hmm. They're like, we want to help them all find a house to buy in our town. Mm -hmm. And that will happen. And she'll get an opportunity. And she has. i have before um, Mm you. Where you'll get an opportunity to get something before it goes in the market. So, um, and then the last thing that I want to say was about how to look for deals. So, um. I hate this store, so just where I'm going to go with this, just know that I hate this store.
3: TJ Maxx. <laughs> he doesn't okay. hate the store. He, In his opinion, he doesn't like the store. I don't like, I hate going in this store. Let's say that. Once you get popular, we don't mean TJ Maxx. <laughs> our episodes.
1: I don't like going in this Sick. store. I love the store concept. I'd love to own it, but I don't want to go there. Um, I know a lot of people that go to TJ Maxx. So what do they do? There's aisles and aisles of opportunities. Right. And they sort through. They spend hours upon friggin' hours and they could spend two hours in TJ Maxx and look through all this crap and come out with like the Good. Colo Ralph Wren shirt that's brand new or the you know Hugo Boss sneakers for like $3 or whatever, and they come out with stuff that you're like, oh my God, I would've bought that, but I'm not gonna spend the four hours looking through the aisles of TJ Maxx because I'll shoot myself. So if you take and you just dumb it down to something as easy as that, and you just take the time, and you write letters and you look around the streets and you, you know, or look for opportunities, look for buildings that that stick out. So if you have a row of buildings and you wanna buy one and you just look and which building looks like it has deferred maintenance and you just look at things, which building looks like it's been empty too long or go around the backyard and which backyard is like piles of crap back there, you know, these are telltale signs and these things will help you find the deal.
0: Should I be going into neighborhoods and then looking up to see if the owners are really old?
2: <laughs> not I mean,
3: so not, not
0: for the not for the extreme <laughs> thing that wait, could happen. are gonna
3: ride your bicycle around and like wait <laughs> for old people to walk out? Like, can you imagine? Like, I'm picturing like you know those old Compton like shows where they've got the big front tricycle and like. But
0: can't you look it up on like parcel the like parcel places and so, then yeah. find an out? And then they would want to downsize.
3: Old right? dot
0: Are you serious?
3: No, not, <laughs> not It's impossible to find out the age of your neighbors, in my opinion. Like that, you would live that you could just go and type in each address, right? And just find out when the property was sold or last transferred yeah. on Zillow. Because if it was sold in 1981, odds are high that you know they're going to be a little bit older. Um, but that notion of yeah, is someone older easier? Sure, especially if it's, they're they're dead estates, trusts, great. Well, I
0: wasn't going to that extreme. I, I just really a downside. I can't so. tell you like, how many
3: properties I bought from from you know. There's an estate. There's four people. You think there's four kids left? Care about a ten thousand dollar difference, twenty thousand. No, yes. give me money quick, fast. <laughs> and they're usually
2: disputing with yes. each other. So, uh, but to your point, I think separating it or trying to find homeowners by age is difficult. But you can find out how old the house is if it needs deferred okay. maintenance, and then leave letters. Say, I'm looking to buy a house in this neighborhood. Are you interested in selling? Go volunteer at a senior center. Get to know them. Get to know the seniors <laughs> and get
1: to know the people in the senior center, and and you'll get tips on on what houses. Bait them out.
3: Listen, find a block you like, leave yarn on everyone's <laughs> doorstep. For whichever house picks up the yarn and leaves you a quilt the next day, you're good.
1: <laughs> and and um, there is actually a software, um, like a, a, an AI software. I'm serious. For people that are in the real estate business as agents, there's a software that you can subscribe to and it actually predicts when houses are going to sell oh really yes and you can it tells you where to go and i don't remember the name of it but it tells you where to go or who to contact and try to get the <coughs> listing is it, is it? but it's wow. real it's a real software but um we, we all joke here and stuff but every comment and every idea has merit and it may not work at all times but they've all worked so there's really no rules um, just try, try stuff, you know, go out there be aggressive and yeah, you know, your first failure is usually your best failure because it gets you out and gets you started. Just go, just try, just do write down what you've done. If it didn't work, if you went up to somebody's house and they slammed the door in your face, like take a step back. What was I wearing? What car was I driving? You know, was I drooling? Like, what did I do wrong? And write it down in your book so then you could try and do a better job the next time. Was I drooling? Can I ask you a question
3: on the car question? Yeah. So you said rent a car, don't <laughs> pull up in an S-Class, right? So as a buyer, why do you want to come in a crappier car? Because they drive the price up. Well, they have a price that's listed. If they see you have a crappier car, they're going to think you can't afford it. So it's all
1: relative. So if you're going up to a $20 million house, then yes, you want to pull up in the S-Class, right? If you're going to buy a $100,000 condo, you want to pull up in a regular car. The word crappy is a loose word, but just, you know. So are we talking retail? properties or investment properties. Well, here we're talking like more of a, of a retail, uh, not a retail, more of an investment property, or if you're buying it for yourself, Mm -hmm. you you have to just look at the picture and, and think about how you would react. You know, if you're sitting at home in your front porch and all of a sudden a Maserati pulls out and he gets out of the frigging car, all all, all of a sudden your price goes from 500 to $700, aren't usually sellers not home when you come to see the house not not when you're we're talking about like investment off if we're off right. like if we're scratching through tj maxx the seller may be home. oh you're just driving and i'm going to
0: go to knock to talk it. and not right. and talk again, to brand no,
3: yes but if the seller so showed up right. in my house with like a crappy car like rental like out of state plates and started knocking like i call the cops well it dep-
1: again we're not going <laughs> my <myself> to <laughs> class <I'm> like
3: this <laughs> must be a
0: fine
1: distinguished gentleman we're not going to <laughs> tell you about Nima's twenty thousand square foot home but if that was the case, you know, but yes, he, so he has points and you <laughs> have to take each piece into perspective. It's again, just, just play out the scenario and, and, and know your players and, and know the image that you want to present. And yeah. Cause like, kind of, you know, you're right.
3: But yeah. To the other side, maybe the sellers are like, you know, what, like $10,000 doesn't mean anything to him. So let me stay firm. Right. So maybe they may just stay more firm um on their offer. So maybe yeah. not a crappy car, but like, Mar- maybe like Mar- no Mar- Mar- just say a, you
0: want to show that you can close. A non that, a, a non great, flashy a car, but non flashy.
2: Car. I think at the same time it's relating to whoever the client is because mm. if the client is glitzy and glamoury mm. they they won't I don't think it'll affect them either way. But if it's if you're trying to buy a house from, from someone who's elderly or someone who wants a downgrade, sure if you show up in a 2022 20, Porsche start flashing I don't know who they're sure. singling out of this table over here <laughs> Nobody. and you start lowballing him on the offer they're gonna
0: say
2: it's hey, what's bright orange on? yeah
0: <laughs> it's dark blue now oh you have a dark blue cor- the bright orange Porsche he drove up in this that was a
3: Lamborghini bright- it, was la- it, was it was a Lamborghini
0: oil, it was hot
3: no the Porsche was this color that oh, my, that's the biggest
0: regret ever. Um, somehow. Lindsay wants to know what's an example of a really good purchase or a deal that you've done this year? Well, we're in 2022. We're only, what, 23 days into it. All right, right. We'll we two houses already. You've done two <laughs> houses
3: already. Can you imagine? I found some old people.
0: <laughs> so what's a good deal that you've done recently? A really good deal.
3: Who wants to go first? I mean, you do good deals every day. Yeah.
0: So,
3: I don't
2: know, who do you want to go first?
0: And what, what constitutes Omar. a good
2: purchase? A profitable a good, deal. Yeah. Um, the most recent deal was a commercial deal. And uh, it was an very acquisition. Smiling. He's all happy now, Omar. Oh, my wife's making that money. He just cheered up real quick. It was an acquisition. As we talked about, off-market wasn't listed. It was direct to the seller. And it was a large property that um, was a very good purchase because it cash flowed from the start. And we were able to do minor renovations, increase the rents and increase the total property, the proper value of the property. So the key points to this deal was it was completely off market. Um, the seller had no interest in advertising it, listing it. And because of that, we were able to get a good price. And because we knew that the market rents could have, the rents could have been brought up to market value. Was that on the rack TJ Maxx? Very close to that, yeah. That That was a Marshalls (laughs) deal. No, but that analogy works because it's another way of saying boots on the ground. You won't find these types of deals by sitting comfortable at your desk or driving around looking (laughs) for (laughs) work. So that hat has to come off and it has to go back on when you want it to. But these deals are not presented to people who are um, sitting in the ivory tower.
1: So I just bought, or I just sold something actually. I'm not a seller, so I typically don't sell unless I'm doing a flip type scenario, which I do a couple of years. So I just closed on something that um, I sold and I made uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars. So it was very exciting. Nice. Uh, it was something that I bought pre-COVID and um, I wasn't sure how COVID was going to affect us but um, I actually think it worked to the advantage and um, sold it and made some
3: good money. I think if you bought socks pre-COVID, you made money after wearing them. (laughs) But no, look, Omar and Eric are really, really good deal finders. Um, They work hard at it. I know them personally, they're very conservative. They crunch their numbers. So most deals that they do will be a good deal because they're not impulsive. Um, For me, I've changed my investment strategy Uh, where these guys look for larger deals um, I'm not interested prospectively in larger deals. I don't care for a million dollar property. I don't look for a $700,000 property. Those are no longer my interests. Um, I look now, I think this whole North Jersey area is way too saturated. The properties I have, I'm gonna hold and those that I do have that are existing, I maximize by knocking down, adding more units, right? Increasing value like these guys just talked about. Um, I'm looking in areas like Sussex County where a lot of people are moving out to now is it's nice and it's it's far less expensive. So there's still opportunities out there to buy a house for $100,000, hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
0: Now, I have a house here, just to let you know. We can talk. Cash off the deal, thirty
3: days. I've got two lower offers of you own acceptance. So we have this. Don't fix it. don't. Uh, we
0: won't uh, fix it. We'll just give you uh,
3: as I'm moving these houses for two to three times what I'm mm. buying them for with nominal work because people in that area are not looking for marble floors. They're not looking right. for six inch wide white oak hardwood floors. Right here, that value's kind of gone. So um, if you want good deals, and the deals I find, I pick things up for 100, 150,000, 200,000. I think I'm gonna put max 10, 15, 20 grand into it and I better double my, excuse me, double my money. If I'm not, it's not worth it to me because I can make 15, 20% of my money through capital groups and other things mm-hmm. that I don't want to be running around, checking on material, getting permits. Was the job done yeah, right? That's, that's stressful. Yeah. So unless I'm making like 50% of my money or more, which it doesn't happen, you know, tech for everyone, I don't jump on the deal. <clears throat> and the larger deals I look to buy, which are over a million dollars are not your conventional flip deals. I look to hold those properties for cash flow and Mm long-term investment. So for flips, yeah, I've done a couple of stuff where I bought for hundred sold for 300, you know, with minimal money in three X on my money. And the beauty is I hold some of these two over 12 months and I'll sell it on my 13th month to avoid that first year higher capital gains Mm -hmm. tax return too. Mm -hmm. And guys, remember when you're in the game and you have multiple ones, I need more properties because they're depreciating assets for me. So I'm not just making money on what I am flipping it for. I'm depreciating those properties off of my current day income to yield a lower tax return, right? Or not make, that's how others may operate.
0: Ryan wants to know, when it comes to selling commercial, is it harder to find a buyer since it's so much more expensive? Uh,
1: Good question. No, because there, so there's less, uh, there's less commercial inventory in general, then there is residential inventory. So let's say you have 10 gazillion houses out there. You have 10 gazillion people that need a house commercial. You have a hundred or five gazillion commercial properties and you're going to have five gazillion buyers. So I think it's all relative. Um, it's just knowing how to price it and, and get the market marketing done, right. And getting it out to the right people. But I don't think it's harder at all. Um, it just comes down to
3: price. Can I make a comment on that? No. Well, I mean, uh, okay. So you guys, very nice seeing you today. <laughs> Thank you for coming to the mix. Um, while it may be more difficult, uh, well, commercial, you know, like you just said, be, be a little more difficult. Guys, be weary of jumping into commercial because you need to be able to back it when it's empty. Because commercial will stay empty longer than residential will. And that means that you need to write those checks for property taxes, carrying costs, and things like that. Residential, there's a... New Jersey, why it's so hot is there is a higher demand than there is a supply that doesn't necessarily exist in commercial. Um, it's almost level, and you know, your space has to uh, be appealable to a lot of people, right? So, like, how long does
1: it take to flip an apartment in New Jersey? An apartment priced right, not flip, but rent turnover within 30 days. With a commercial space, it could take six months, it could take three months, yeah. it could take a year, depending on the size and the scope of it. So, that's yeah. a really good point. So
3: Eric has gotten the commercial game down, but he doesn't buy things that he's not prepared to hold on to. When he does lock up a tenant, they're phenomenal. It's triple net lease, good cash flow, they pay you're just pure profit basically because they're covering the expenses. But okay. right? <laughs> Am I wrong?
1: I mean, no, there's yeah, there it's a, usually a positive, yes. But if you're buying a bigger project that you're building and you have to like build that tank before it becomes positive, but yeah. Yeah. No, but the the
3: point is you have to carry that property for a significant period of time. Yes. Yes. When it's done. Yeah. It's a great shirt, but you are all of your commercial properties. You're carrying it for at least six months to a year. If you're you're buying it empty, then you are definitely carrying it.
1: Uh, It's definitely harder to lease out. Uh, And then sometimes you have to do work to get that tenant to come in. So just because if I got a lease in three three months, right, I may have to build something for them. So that could take another three to six months to build and, and then money. it could cost thirty or forty thousand out of my pocket. So you know, residential is usually
3: easier. And on top of that guy's commercial too, you know, and Eric will tell you more about this, when you need to fix something, it's a lot more expensive. Oh yeah. Right? You problem. have your sprinklers, you have your HVAC systems, you know, you're talking about a a phenomenally more expensive. Uh, platform when you do have to put in money. So it's not like you're buying a house with 10% down and you can scratch together money to, you know, repair it and sell it or rent it. You need to really make fixes when you need to fix commercial because it's more regulated by the town. Yeah, yeah. so just go slow. Start out with a two unit with one retail
2: store in the bottom. And it's worth mentioning that Eric has extremely thick skin. So he's he's glassing, kind <laughs> of just briefing over this, but to do commercial and do what he does, his tolerance level and his. He has thick skin this is not easy it's not an easy properly idea. moisturized but <laughs> <laughs> um, commercial is a whole different endeavor it's Ketcher, like so, just <laughs>
0: so we're going to start wrapping up but i'd like to hear your final thoughts on the buying process it what, what are your pearls of wisdom that you are going to depart on the masses out there
3: i don't think i have one i think i think omar and eric would be better suited to answer that because I'm buying from an investor standpoint. So yeah. my opinions are very kind of limited to But there are investors out there. So give your pearl on
1: investing an investor standpoint.
3: Sure. You know, don't be a baby. You just be willing to walk away from a deal and it's okay to hurt people's feelings. Who cares? They're not yours.
1: Yeah.
3: And as much as that hurts me,
2: what he just said he's 100 percent true. Yeah. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Um, I think if you're if you're looking to buy a house, you have to be realistic in understanding what the market is like. Um, and listen to your realtor if they know the market. If the realtor knows values and they're telling you not to nitpick, not to come in under, under asking, don't waste their time and see 20 houses and constantly put offers. There's a reason why you're not winning these bids, and the market's going to tell you whether or not your price is good or if it's too low. I like realtors who don't tell me that it's too low, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, because maybe they
3: won't sell me that house, but they know that I'll keep putting offers, and I now trust them because they're not afraid to... Offer what I told them as opposed to what they think is right so I think
2: it's a preference issue but would you do the same if you were buying a primary house or are you talking about investments I think both But that's, that's me yeah. even if I buy a primary house I can't but what if you are money.
0: putting in an offer that they're just like you just won't get that
3: shouldn't they
1: tell yeah. you
0: that
3: they should say
1: the market indicates that this is the price and we know mm-hmm. that there are multiple interests at this time i fully supportive of trying to go in at this number here are the risks and the rewards let's go over them. If you're comfortable with this, let's go for it. Because as he said, it's getting respect. He needs to respect you as a representative. And if he does that,
3: he'll use you for a hundred other things. So I'll give you a prime example. Um, you know, I'm looking at a place in Miami right now and I'm putting in offers a bunch of stuff. I would offer 50, 60, $70,000 less, right? My agent did it. She didn't tell me she'd be like, well, you know, very polite. She'd be Like it's kind of low, but let's see what they say. And every time it was a no. And she didn't have to tell me by the end of the process, I ended up buying a property twice as much as my initial look Mm. for, I offered ask, which I still didn't think they would take. They came back and said to me, well, we have a $70,000 assessment that came in. Buyer wants you to share in that. And I said, well, if buyer wants me to share in that, buyer should have put it in their uh, listing that they want me to share in that. This is my offer. If they want me to share in it, I'll take $35,000 off my offer and this is my new offer or else that's it. They came back and accepted it. So she stuck with me until huh. I myself gauged and understood the market. And I naturally adjusted with the market myself.
0: But I, now you're gonna stick with her because you know that you guys have that understanding. A right, right now. But so, I mean, just in future things, you'll do things with If she her.
3: made me feel bad about my initial offers, mm-hmm. I would just, I would be like, okay, and then I'll just find another agent. That's why it's all about impression, very important. So but,
0: final, final words.
1: Um, don't be afraid to walk away from something. Take the time, do the research, kick that tire, look under the rock and um, you have to be in it to win it. So, what I mean by that is you can't be afraid of everything. And, you know, we talked at other times sometimes it's okay to break even on a deal because it got you through it popped your cherry so to speak. It got you through that experience.
3: Ooh, and I don't always really say that.
1: I think that's worse than the F word. You have to try. You have to do it because once you do it um, it's just your whole world opens up So Great.
3: or your wallet.
0: Well oh. guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being with us on the remix, the video podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything, real estate and Eric, take it away.
1: Oh, he wants to visualize. If you visualize it, you can own it.
0: If you visualize it, you can own it. Thank you guys. All right. Bye.
1: Bye.